Well, hello, Andre here. Welcome to yet another episode of The Daily. This is for Wednesday, the 8th of April 2020, or day two of the new circuit breaker measures. I hope uh, many of you are bunkered up at home. Now, this is the time where we have to make do and make adjustments with the disruptions that the new measures have brought. And so for some of you, it might be your gym routines. It might be certain habits and certain places you go to. Or for many of you, it might be just the ability to uh, buy things uh, at will to go to an electronic store or clothing store and pick up things uh, off the rack as you like. And you know, there are certainly many inconveniences that we have to work through, but I'm also excited to think of all the opportunities in spiritual formation that is presented to us through this time of disruption, uh, that perhaps is a time for us to reconsider what we think is necessary or essential to your life. Maybe that weekly purchase of new clothes isn't all that necessary or essential. Maybe you can do without that. 50th pair of shoes or maybe you can just do without going to the cafe and sitting down and drinking a overly priced cup of coffee every week maybe you know it's possible to live life to live a full life without these things these comforts and perhaps this disruption serves as an opportunity for us to reevaluate our lives and what we think is necessary and perhaps this is a great on-ramp or segue into living a life that looks more minimal, looks more uh, simple, and that will inevitably give us the margin and the resource to be more generous, to do more for God's kingdom. And I think, man, this is a great opportunity for us to even consider that in this time of disruption. Now, we spend some time... uh, Yesterday, diving into the story of Jesus, uh, particularly the way he conducted himself leading up to uh, the cross, leading up to his partaking in that sacrifice, that atonement that purchased for us eternal life, salvation in God. And we spent uh, yesterday talking about that word, that statement of forgiveness. And today we're going to look at the second word. And now this word uh, is known as the word of salvation or the word of assurance. And so we're going to spend some time reading the text from Luke chapter 23, verse 39. We read this yesterday, but let's read it again, shall we? Verse 39 says this, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other criminal answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is God's word. Now, um, in this text, we see two men or in the New King James Version, two criminals. Or or as I mentioned uh, yesterday, these were two really evil men, uh, kind of like political revolutionaries. These two men who have done a lot of evil in their lives were crucified next to Jesus. 
And we see these two men crucified next to Jesus uh, on the same road to the same fate. They were going to be killed. They're going to be dead in a few moments. But having drastically different responses or postures of heart in that time, one man turned to Jesus and blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, if you are really the King of Kings, if you are really the Messiah, then why don't you save yourself and then us? But the other man had a drastically different response. After rebuking the blasphemer, he said this, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. So he professed that, hey, you know, this uh, thing that we are experiencing, this pain that I'm going through, this punishment that I'm enduring, I have received it justly. This is my due reward. This is what I had coming to me for a life of misdeed, for a life of evil. This is my rightful due. And so in that, in that moment, he comes to term with the punishment that he is about to receive. And he acknowledges that, hey, you know, I have messed up in life. I have done evil things. And this is what I deserve. And I think that is the beginning point or I know that is the beginning point of salvation. It's when we recognize that, hey, in this life, no matter how much good we do, it will never be enough to compensate for the evil we know is in our hearts, for the bad things that we have done in life. We need a help. We need uh, a price to be paid for our sake that is far greater than any price that we can pay on our own accord, in our own strength. And that is the beginning point of salvation where we profess our need to be saved. We don't have the ability to merit eternal life. We need to be saved. And that is where that thief, that criminal, that political revolutionary came to. He came to the realization that, hey, I have done these evil things. I need a savior. I need someone to help me. And that is where we need to find ourselves in this story. In this story, even as we read it and we recount the work of Jesus on the cross, we have to know that we are the thief. We are the criminal. We are the one who has done evil, who has transgressed against Almighty God, who has violated His holiness with our misdeeds and evil, and we need a Savior. And the man goes on to say this further down the text in verse 42. Then he says this to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus responds to him in loving kindness, in mercy, in grace, with perhaps is one of the most outrageous statements made all through the Bible. Jesus says to this man, this thief, this criminal, this evil person, he says to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, there's a bunch of debate on this statement that Jesus made. Some people believe that the comma is uh, misplaced or is debatable to where the comma is being placed. Uh, you know, by that I mean some people believe that the text should read, uh, Surely I say to you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. That is to say, someday down the road, you will be with me in paradise. Uh, it's not today, but it's somewhere down the road, and this will give room or give birth to theories like soul sleep, meaning some of us, uh, when we die, we would 
fall asleep and one day when Jesus comes back in glory, we will be awakened, awoken, and then we would be with him in paradise. Or purgatory, meaning that we will spend uh, time atoning or paying for the sins that we committed on the earth. And when we have earned enough and when we have merited enough, then we get to be with him in paradise. But most scholars, most Christian thinkers would agree that the comma should be placed in this way. Assuredly, I say to you, comma, today, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. Arthur Ping in his book, The Seven Sayings of the Savior on the Cross, writes this, The form of Christ's reply is evidently designed to match in its order of thought, the robber's petition. This would be seen if we arrange the two in parallel couplets. He then puts the robber's or the criminal's petition next to Jesus' statement. And uh, the robber said, And he said unto Jesus, And then Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me. Jesus replies, Thou shalt be with me. And then when the robber petitions and asks, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. Jesus replies with today you will be with me in paradise. And by arranging the words in this manner, like in a couplet, we discover the correct emphasis. Today is the emphatic word. In our God's gracious response to the criminal's request, we see a striking illustration of how divine grace exceeds human expectation. The thief prayed that the Lord would remember him in his coming kingdom, but Jesus assures him that before that very day had passed, he would be with him in paradise. Now this speaks to what we know grace to be. It is unmerited, unmerited Favor. I think of that verse in Ephesians chapter 2, it goes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God. Our salvation, it is not a byproduct of our work, of how much we have merited it, but it is a purely sovereign gift, outrageous in many ways. You know, I was reminded of this time where I had just enlisted into national service. Before that, I was uh, an active volunteer in the youth ministry. I was serving in various ministries. And when I had to enlist, of course, I then uh, vacated those ministry positions and I just focused on uh, being a soldier. And I remember when I enlisted, uh, I just felt like I was spiritually dry in many ways. And I think many NS boys would have a similar experience. I felt I was spiritually dry, that I wasn't, uh, you know, close to God anymore. And I felt that in many ways, uh, I was uh, backslidden. And I spent some time with a friend and he brought me to a point of realization that I was feeling that way. I was feeling distant and far off from God because I have built much of my spirituality or I've built uh, much of what I thought was being spiritually mature on the amount of things that I did. Uh, the more I did as a leader, the more platform, the more opportunity I got to serve, the more spiritually mature I was. And we know that isn't the case, right? But in many ways, uh, more activity, doing more things, uh, masks our lack of security in God, His truth, His promises, our salvation. 
And perhaps, you know, this is what we need to come to in this time where we aren't able to do a lot. We can't serve in a copious amount of ministries. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that we plan to do for our community, we had to cancel them because of the new measures. And we aren't able to do much. And perhaps in, in this time, it is for us to come back to this very simple, yet utterly profound and outrageous truth that we were not saved by our works. We were not saved by how much we could do or muster up, but we were saved because Jesus chose us and he chose to give his life for our sake so that we may enter into his glory and be with him in paradise. Today, I say to you, assuredly, I say to you that you will be with me in paradise. And that is the extent of God's love for you and me. His love for us is not predicated on how much we have done for him or how much we are going to do for him. Think about it. The criminal had done nothing for Jesus up to that point and wasn't capable of doing much more. He was going to die. And yet Jesus gives him this great gift of paradise, of being with him for all eternity. And that is God's love speaking to you and I through the Holy Scriptures, that he loves us no matter what we have done and no matter how much we're going to do for him, he loves us. And so let's take a moment this morning to let the love of God sink into our bones, our flesh, our spirit, our hearts, our minds. Let the love of God marinate you this morning, permeate every facet of your being. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Let's take a moment to just sit in God's love, in the fact that I don't have to do anything. Let this posture of even just sitting down, being still, not doing anything, be a prophetic declaration that the God of the universe loves me even when I'm doing nothing, even when I'm nothing, even when I have accomplished nothing, He loves me. Let's just take a moment to just be still, do nothing, and let the love of God meet us. Let's take a moment. Beautiful. Let me pray for you even as you begin your day. Father, we thank you for your love. Your love that exceeds our comprehension, even exceeds our levels of comfort. Lord, it's so uncomfortable to know how much you love us, the extent to which you go for us. Lord, our human minds can't even wrap itself around the outrageousness and the radicality of your love. God, our hearts are filled with such gratitude and praise, even as we consider your love that was demonstrated on the cross for us. And God, we ask indeed in this time that we will enter into a place of great rest, 
a posture of rest where we will cease striving, where we will cease trying to earn and merit, but come and enter into the knowledge that we are loved, that we are held, that the great price for our sin has been paid, has been atoned, that we are yours and have been invited into your loving embrace to be with you for all eternity. God, let the knowledge of your love sit in our hearts for all the days of our lives. We thank you for this great grace. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. I pray that throughout the day you would experience God's love. That it's not just something that we know, but something that we can feel all around us. I pray that you be led by spirit even as you navigate these times. God bless you. I'll see you in the next episode. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the daily podcast. We'll have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.